Hi, I'm Richard, the founder of 10 Adventures, and this is the 10 Adventures podcast. Each week, we talk to real people about real adventures as they explore this incredible planet we all live on. Welcome back to the 10 Adventures podcast. Pakistan was one of the big up-and-coming destinations pre-pandemic, and it seemed every time I was talking to a friend or a family member, they were coming back from Pakistan or just about to go to Pakistan. And uh, what I kept hearing is is people were flocking to Pakistan to savor the history, the culture, and, and the incredible natural beauty. Uh, many people may not realize that Pakistan is some of the most beautiful trekking routes in the world, going up high in the Karakoram. Though nearby to the Nepalese Himalaya, Pakistan is a fraction of the tourists and crowds while having uh, what some people think is even more spectacular scenery. Uh, I know Pakistan's long been on my bucket list, so I'm excited to talk today to Umar Latif. He's the founder of Beyond the Valley, an adventure travel tour operator based in Pakistan. Hi, Umar. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Richard. Thank you for the invitation. Uh, so, you know, Pakistan just seemed, you know, such momentum amongst adventure travelers pre-pandemic. Why do you think, you know, you know, I have my view as somebody who's, you know, living here in Canada, but someone who's in the adventure travel business in Pakistan, why do you think it's, you know, such a great destination for adventure travel? Yeah, so uh, when we talk about adventure travel, we are basically talking about three important elements, which is physical activity, natural environment and cultural immersion. So I think what Pakistan offers, especially in North, is a perfect combination of all three in every corner. Doesn't matter if you are in Hunza, in Skardu, in K2 base camp, you would see perfect pristine landscape. You would see a culture which is totally different, has their own language, their own cuisine, their own music. And then on top of that, depending upon how fit you are, you can challenge yourself with some of the basic track to some of the most difficult rock and ice climbing in the world. So I, I think it's no surprise. This is very popular among adventure travelers. I think some people might know that Pakistan has these big mountains, but like, can you give an idea of like how big the Karakaram is and like, you know, how it compares to like, everyone knows Nepal, how it compares to Nepal in terms of the height of the mountains? Karakaram is quite unique compared to Nepal or any other great mountain range on the earth because of the concentration of high peaks in such a small area. So in, in an area which is almost the size of Switzerland, you have 108 mountains above 7,000 meters. You have five mountains above 8,000 meters and four of them in one place. So that place is called Concordia. So if you are at Concordia, you can see K2, Gashabram 1, Gashabram 2, Broad Peak, four mountains and you can see a ton of 7,000 meter peak summits even from valley flows such as Hunza. So it's the, the difference between valley and, and the mountain next to it, the difference between the height is much more, you can say more vertical in, in a short distance compared to the rest of the world. Yeah, I know when I look at the photos of, you know, I know some people that did the K2 uh, base camp trek and just like, it's so rugged and it's so, you know, the mountains just seem so big where uh, it really is spectacular. And that kind of leads me where I want to start talking about are what are the popular treks? And we'll start with K2 because I know every, you know, lots of people heard the trek to K2 base camp. And then hopefully we can talk about some of the other ones that, you know, you as someone that understands and knows, you know, Pakistan, uh, the mountain ranges can talk about. But but K2, can you just talk about a little bit about what that trek entails, the difficulty, you know, just kind of all the details. So people who are thinking about maybe doing that trek can kind of, 
you know, learn a little bit about what it entails. So uh, Pakistan has a lot of popular tracks, but of course, K2 is the most famous one. Uh, it's it's not a beginner track at all. It's, you must have high altitude tracking experience. You, you have to walk on glacier for seven, eight days straight, long distances. And it is purely expedition style. That's what separates it from Everest Base Camp, for example. You will not see tea houses and, and those setups on the way. You, you would have to set up your own camp or by your tour operator. You have to sleep, in some cases, on the glacier multiple nights. And, and I think what you have, you have uh, views of K2, Broad Peak, Kashabam, Lala Peak, just to name you, for example, Trango Tower. Anyone who read about mountain knows about Trango, K2, all these things. Then you have stunning and wild scenery because it is not populated not even by any other species other than human as well. It's just rock and ice, just glacier for seven, eight days straight. And you have uh, Balti people. So all your porters are local Balti who speak their own language, uh, who have their own music and they dance and party every night. So it's <laughs> really an old frontier kind of an experience, which is very rare in in rest of the world. And like one thing I think is really interesting is, is you know, people are used to there being tea houses and kind of you know modern luxuries but but this is you're in a tent you're setting up your camp every night and uh, it really is like this remote experience where you know it's not like going tea trekking in nepal at all no not at all it's, i would say it's one of the last frontier countries where you still do not have a lot of uh, regulation in terms of these things you can fly your drone anywhere no one is going to ask you what your drone <laughs> regulations here yeah, you can you can uh, make your own uh, toilet anywhere this is totally up to you you have to be responsible for a lot of things so it, it also offers you a, an opportunity for true wilderness experience and you know to get to the the starting point for the k2 trek how, how do you get there is it an easy journey just to get to the start it is relatively now because we, we have multiple flights a day from capital Islamabad to Skardu, which is a 45-minute beautiful flight from Islamabad. You pass by Nanga Parbat, which is the highest wall in the world, rock and ice, 4,000-meter face. Then you land in Skardu. From Skardu, it's, it's one-day journey to Askole, which is the last village where you acclimatize for one day, you pack your bags, your porters take care of your luggage and as an in an expedition style from a school age you start moving towards k2 base camp depending upon how your group is organized it takes six days in and six days out so it's roughly 12 days trekking on the glacier from the last village uh, people I, that i knew uh, that that did the k2 base camp they'd have to take you know a bus or a transfer up the karakaram highway and uh, it was beautiful but that was a long i think it was like a full day journey wasn't it Yes, it's, it can be more than one day as well, depending upon the road conditions. And, and to be a fair to all travelers, I think it's more responsible if you go by air. Your carbon footprint would actually be less. The flight is short, 45 minutes, while you if you go by road, you would be driving on a Karakaram Highway for 28 hours in a diesel bus or a 4 by 4 It's a great way to see a bunch of different uh, parts of the of the Karakaram if you go by highway. Um, so so K2 is the most, you know, probably well-known uh, here in North America, uh, but I'm interested in some of the other treks that, you know, maybe aren't as well-known that you can share and, you know, whet people's appetites for, you know, different different options. 
So uh, my personal favorite track in Pakistan has to be Nagma Valley. We also call it Yosemite of Pakistan. It's an amazing, easy track. Even if you are a beginner, you do, you can only put one foot in front of the other. You can still do it. It's, it's not difficult. No glacier travels. But what you get in in as, as a reward of two day trekking, you get this amazing campsite which has multiple rock faces above five thousand meters. A lot of glaciers nearby. Uh, that's one of my favorite track. Then uh, I personally like K1 a lot. A lot of people know about K2, but most people don't know about K1. So K1 is Mashabram, also known as Queen of Karakum. Uh, it was thought by British surveyor is the highest mountain in the region. Uh, that's why K1 and K2. So K1 is also a relatively easy three-day track from the last village in Hoshe. It's 7,927-meter-high mountain, huge, huge, massive mountain and beautiful rewarding track. So similarly, uh, I like Thalela as well. This is it's a five-day easy track which connects Skardu Valley with Shigar Valley. So these are some of the lesser known but very rewarding tracks in Pakistan. Are those uh, tracks where you you have to deal with extreme elevation or are those ones where, you know, you're not going to be up above, you know, 4,000 or 5,000 meters? In, in technical terms, we consider anything above 3,000 meters as a high altitude track. And all of these are above 3,000. However, K2, you, you sleep above 4,500. You have to sleep. That's important for a lot of trackers. In, in K1 and in terms of Nagma Valley, you sleep below 4,000. So they are relatively uh, less altitude uh, risk track in that sense. Um, another factor is is the stress on your body. We have seen it again and again when you do long tracks which require walking 10, 20 kilometers if you're not experienced to high altitude. Some of these tracks require your tour operator to be very well informed about AMS and all these things. So they make sure in their holiday, they design in a way there is enough time to acclimatize for everyone. But if you do acclimatization, I don't think any of this track is an issue at all. So so we've discussed a few of the treks uh, in in Pakistan. When's the season to go trekking? You know, when should, if people are thinking of a trip, when should they, you know, be planning on planning a trip? Yeah, that's a very good question, I would say. If you are planning on K2, my advice to everyone listening is don't go there earlier than July. Don't go there after August unless you are an experienced mountaineer. It can be very cold. Uh, so so high altitude track, which are about 4,500 in, in Karakam, I, we, we do it in July and August. For, for track which are below 4,000 and around 4,000, for example, Nagma, Mashabam and, and Thale, they, they start from May up end of September. So depends upon which tracks you are doing, but all of them has to be in summer season. I hadn't thought about, you know, how small the window would be for, for K2. It's a bit like here when people come to the Canadian Rockies. You know, if you come in June, there can still be snow or can snow. And then at the end of August, you know, people can come and they're like, it's snowing, uh, you know, above treeline. And we're not anywhere near 4,500 meters. But uh, yeah, you, when, when the snow comes, it's it's tough with extreme weather to, to do all this. We talked a little bit about how one of the difference between trekking in Nepal, where you're, you know, expedition style, you're in, you know, tents, you've got porters uh, versus tea houses in, in many parts of Nepal. But what are some other differences for people who maybe have been to Nepal and are considering, you know, going to Pakistan? What are some other things they would notice? The first thing they would immediately notice is the cultural difference. So in Nepal, you meet Sherpa, an ethnic group, which are basically Buddhist. And uh, most of 
in Hinduism background. In Pakistan, almost 99% or probably 100% of the Balti people you would meet would be Muslim, Shia Muslims, most of them. So first of all, is culturally very, very different, their food is different, their language is different. And then on, on top of that, the weather system of Pakistan is very different. Karakan is it's a bit higher in latitude. So what happens in Pakistan, when you do, for example, K2 base camp track, the days are very hot. They can reach as high as 35, 40 degrees Celsius. And then all of a sudden at night you wake up and there is snow around your tent when you are in minus three, minus four. So that's one of the challenges as well in Karakam. The weather, it turns extreme. And then the difference between day and night is huge. And of course, the cultural aspect of guides, uh, your porters is very different. Now, now, we've talked a bit about trekking, but I know a lot of people... Uh, that I know have gone to Pakistan, they've gone to explore these kind of these remote valleys. And like they just rave about, you know, going to these these valleys tucked away in in the Karakoram. I just read a book about a woman who was driving across, uh, or she, she rode her bike from Ireland to India. And like half the book was just traveling in these remote valleys before there was even like, you know, even roads connecting the valleys, you know, to like the flatlands. Um, what are some of the valleys that people should really consider spending some time not trekking, but just exploring and, and you know, going as a, as a tourist? So Karakam has this plenty of opportunities for different categories of tourists. From cultural perspective, these mountain valleys, they, they, they were disconnected from each other in the past. Yes, we had Karakam Highway in 1970s, but for centuries they were very disconnected from each other. And they, there used to be very little exploration in terms of going over passes one another. So, for example, Hunza has its own language. Hunza has its own food. Skardu has its own language. Similarly, Gulmit, Gilgit, all of these regions are independent. Their languages are different. Uh, their food is different and also depending upon the height of the valley uh, their crops vary a lot for example if you are in a Hushe valley which is 3000 meters the only thing you can get in the valley organically is potato and wheat uh, nothing else grows there it's not possible to have fruits but if you travel down to Hunza you would have a lot of apricots and and what happens as a result of that over centuries they, they have developed their dishes around apricot and stuff and those Hushe Valley people, they had to survive on the potato, just, I don't know, maybe uh, German influence as well. <laughs> you would see a lot of potato dishes there. As well. So, uh, food is different, and language is different. So, for example, Hushe people speak Balti, Hunza people, uh, depending on which part of Hunza you are, they have three different languages. So, it's very different in, in that aspect as well. So someone who, who wants to come to Pakistan to see, you know, the different valleys, the culture, the, the food, and just kind of explore the Karakoram as well as maybe do an easy trek, H how long should they plan their trip? And then like, what are some of the things they should, you know, if, you know, somebody who's never been, how would you recommend to come and explore the Karakoram? I would suggest people to consider having a couple of trips to explore the country. Do not try to pack too much destination in one year trip. This is very unfortunate. I, I see it all the time. People get tired. They, they, they are on four by four jeeps all the time traveling to multiple cities and valleys in one day. I, I suggest if you think of Karagam, think of it in two regions. One is Hunza, one is Skirtu. If you are planning to visit Pakistan, either plan completely for Skirtu or completely for Hunza. Do not try to combine two. If you combine, it will result in a lot of journeys on 4x4 all day long. That's one thing. The second is 
try to have a minimum of nine days, eight days, no less than that, because uh, otherwise you would be spending too much time again in air travel, packing, unpacking, acclimatizing, getting uh, used to thin air all of a sudden. So nine to 10 days if you are exploring one region and maybe 14 to 15 days if you are planning on combining Hunza with Skirpi. Where should people be looking to fly in? Like, you know, if they're looking, do they fly into Islamabad? Is that the best airport to kind of, you know, get into, you know, striking distance of the crack room? Yes, Islamabad by far. No no other city even come close to Islamabad uh, because of few regions. First, it's the capital. It's one of the safest regions. Culturally, as well in Pakistan, you have all the embassies, consulates, and all those dignitaries in, in Islamabad as well. Secondly, you can come in from Islamabad, and then you can fly out to Skardu or Hunza, Gilgit. They have three flights, four flights every day to Skardu. It's just very convenient to plan around that uh, come into Islamabad, spend one day in Islamabad, have a, have an experience of capital, and next morning, early in the morning, fly to Skartu. Another another option which we are seeing lately a lot is people coming via Turkish airline, or British airline, at 4 a.m. flight in Islamabad, and then in the airport, just having their coffee and taking the next flight to Skartu <laughs> and going over there. Uh, but those people are used to traveling, so they, they are okay with jet lag and all this stuff. That always scares me when you have to like change your ways and you know you have like a four hour layover for another flight. Uh, I I can't do that. I, I always get worried. I'm my flight's going to be late. I'm going to miss it. Um, you mentioned a little bit about um, uh, you know coming into Islamabad. It's it's uh, this one of the, the safest city in Pakistan. What is the security situation? I know some people. Um, you know, they think of Pakistan kind of a decade ago, but it's changed. It's changed a lot. And so what can people expect from security if they're looking at Pakistan? Anyone who is thinking of going to Pakistan, I, I would suggest them, especially who, who want to visit Gilgit, Pakistan, it, they should do some research. It has one of the lowest crime ratios in the world, that region exclusively because it's because of the mountain culture, all those people. It's just Pakistan does not have DMOs, not a lot of active DMOs. So your only source of information for Pakistan is unfortunately news. And if news is anything to go by, Paris is likely one of the dangerous cities right now. So I would suggest uh, if you are planning on going to the north region of Pakistan, uh, to that is one of the most peaceful region in the uh, in, in whole world, I would say. However, do some of your research. Look at travel advisories, make sure which part of the country you want to go. Pakistan is a big country from north to south, it's huge. If you have uh, most of the trouble region was actually on the eastern, western front to the Afghanistan, which is Sawat Valley and all those things. We advise people not to go to that region, but in generally it's much safer now. And as you said, yes, about 10, 12 years ago, Pakistan had a lot of problem with terrorism and all those things, but that's a thing of the past now. And I think a really important aspect is working with reputable tour operators that are based in Pakistan, that understand what's happening in real time. You know, that's a huge value of just, you know, you get all the insider insight for great restaurants and great hotels and great things to do. But you also have the ability for someone who knows what's going on, who can uh, uh, get rid of all like kind of the petty annoyances we all deal with, but also plan your trip so that it, it meets each person's, you know, level of, you know, safety concerns. And that leads me to, I think it's really interesting what uh, you're trying to do with Beyond the Valley to bring sustainability and responsibility to tourism in Pakistan. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yes, uh, sustainability and responsibility is at the very core 
of our business. And that's why I'm in this business as well. Uh, for example, you just talked about responsible tour operators. Uh, anyone traveling to Pakistan, Nepal, or any other developing country for their next adventure travel should ask the tour operator about their licenses, their sustainable policies, and above all, their guard details. Uh, I mean, I'm quoting someone, but if you doesn't like someone at sea level, you are not going to like them at 4,000 meters. Actually, <laughs> you're going to hate them more. So make sure the guard with you, the company who is handling the destination, is likable to your principles. And that's why I think sustainability and responsibility is very important. I have seen it happening again and again. A tour operator not realizing using wood, for example, which takes centuries to grow in some of these areas and then using it for their fuel during treks. So what we did with Beyond the Valley, we we laid some foundation guided by, of course, sustainability development goals of the United Nations. Then we are an active member of GSTC, Global Sustainable Tourism Council. I believe we are only Pakistani member of GSTC. I was recently in Spain, Sevilla, for a conference. Uh, we got a certification for sustainable tourism as well. And what we are trying to do, we are also trying to translate all these SOPs and criteria into our national language and distribute among other tour operators. And I think it's, it's not just our responsibility, it's responsibility of travelers as well to make sure when they travel to a destination which is pristine, what kind of impact they are going to leave there. And one of the best ways you can do is talk to your tour operator, ask them a bit about responsibility and sustainable programs they have. Now, now, one thing I want to talk about is I think your story of how you founded Beyond the Valley is really interesting. And, you know, a lot of people in tourism have spent their careers in tourism. Uh, you haven't. You know, how did you decide to to start Beyond the Valley? Well, to disappoint some of your audience, I spent 16 years of my life in a very dull industry, which is medical devices, but it pays very high. <laughs> so I used to sell medical devices all over the world. So I was a founding executive director of a company which used to manufacture medical devices. And I used to go to sales pitch in business development to sell medical devices to German clients and all those people. Uh, but my, my heart was always in the mountains. I'm an orophile through and through. So whenever I had a time for personal holiday, I would go to the north of Pakistan, uh, which happened a lot during pandemic as well. So I tried to use every possible tour operator. I, I tried to use every possible tour operator there. And I realized what we have is one of the best adventure travel destinations in, in, in our planet. However, there is no company, in, in my opinion at least, I think so, they are not managing it responsibly. That's when I, I talked with my wife as well, who was also who is still is very much an active adventure traveler. We spent our anniversary at one of the base camps. And during that time, we made a vow we have to do something about this industry. And I, I, I took my sabbatical from other company and I founded this one. And then I turned that sabbatical, sabbatical into a permanent non-executive position. And now I'm working full time to promote responsible tourism in Pakistan. I love that story. Uh, and I've heard it a few times, but it still is. I just, you know, people that change their lives and do something they're passionate about. Uh, I think it's always fun to see people do stuff like that. Uh, my last question is, you've been all over, you know, Pakistan, all over the different, you know, villages and, and base camps. What's your favorite place to go in the Karakoram? It's, it's Nagma Valley. It's, it's, uh, uh, it's a place where I go when I need answers, when I, I have questions for personal 
life as well was is is called nagma valley it's we also call it the yosemite of pakistan uh, is is a brilliant place it's, it's i don't know i have been there maybe 6 7 times and i'm not able to describe to anyone what that place is i have taken a lot of drone videos zoom in zoom out photography but it's still very difficult to uh, put into words or picture what that place is it's, and and one of the reason i love that destination is every time i go there is me with our staff our crew that's all no one goes there so it is really hidden um, uh, if you have time i would like to share an interesting story i had last time yeah definitely so i was there in this july i was like burning out from some work and i i called my lead guide i said i want to go to nagma valley alone and all i need is just one chef one cook for me who can cook pizza stuff at 4000 meter for me if i require <laughs> so anyways but just me and my cook i was at nagma valley i thought we were alone here we were uh, having destination to ourselves i'm enjoying starry nights and then the next day i hiked up to a nearby 500 meter high hike to a base camp of another mountain and then i realized there is some tents in the distance and i was very surprised i went over there and I asked there was one Balti guy who told me there are three Spanish climbers who are cl- who just came from Spain to climb a mean rock which is like 1800 meter rock face in 10 days and then he gave me binoculars I I looked through them and I saw them like on the wall for for 10 days uh, they were there for 10 days but I I saw them and it was very surprising and then I came back and I think it was one of the best memories of my life that you are in a place which is so isolated then you see these crazy adventure rock climbers all of a sudden popping somewhere <laughs> so yeah <laughs> but nagma valley is really amazing i just love hearing hearing about pakistan um i urge anybody just like go on youtube and look at some of the videos of of what the mountains look like in Pakistan because they really are uh, spectacular. Uh Umar, thanks for sharing all this information uh and your stories. Uh I really appreciate it. Uh, I want to see some more of the drone videos you showed me some when we met up in uh Switzerland at the Adventure Travel uh, uh World Summit. Uh but yeah, it's just a a magical place that I think people don't realize how special Pakistan is. So thanks for coming on the show and sharing sharing your knowledge. Thank you it it was a pleasure to talk with you. And uh, I'm going to put links into uh the show notes uh of some of the tours so you can see uh get a better better idea what these tours are. Uh, and with that thanks for listening to this episode of the 10 Adventures podcast. We'll be back next week to explore the world and hear more epic adventures. Listen to other episodes of the 10 Adventures podcast on Amazon Music at amazon.com slash 10 adventures.